0: Good morning everyone good morning <laughs> you good have found, morning you found us on the map the mental health and eviction podcast i'm kimberly walsh of uh greetings landing and one of your hosts for the show my co-hosts good friends and partners in crime the amazing andy bernstein mm-hmm. and the incomparable chris Perry long Hello, hello, everybody! I see Andy's protected there. That's awesome.
1: I'm in, I'm in Wuhan right now.
0: <laughs> we can see you are at the wet market.
1: <laughs> I'm a little goofy right now. This is my uh, attempt at being silly. So I'm, you are. One, but I'm out.
0: We love it. We
1: love and it. We love it. I've
0: left. So left. <laughs> Social
1: distancing.
0: <laughs> Social oh.
1: distancing. A little now.
0: struggle
1: there. <laughs> there you go. Hold on. This thing <laughs> off me.
2: Oh, the glare. Put your hat back on.
1: I know, right? The glare. The glare. Wise, wise guy. All right. I'm back.
2: <laughs>
0: We're a little sassy this morning. <laughs>
1: All right. What do we Thank got? Thank you.
0: We got. So for those of you who are new to the show who are just joining us, um, just to let you know, we are um just want to kind of introduce us and you know what's going on and why we do what we do here on this podcast on the map. Um Chris Long has been in the industry for many years, dedicating herself to working with families and helping people get into treatment. Andy has been an advocate for changing the landscape of mental health and addiction, both as the producer of Crosscheck Radio with uh, hockey legend Kevin Stevens and through his own experience. Uh, as for me, I'm a person in long-term recovery, and I operate a sober home for women on the Cape on Brady's Landing. We wanted to um, create this podcast for people to have a place to go for resources and to hear inspirational stories and, um, and kind of change the face of mental health and addiction and reduce the stigma. So um, without further ado, what have we got? Let's do our check-in guys. How oh, are you? We're checked in,
1: <laughs> checked out really. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's, it's a <laughs> it's yeah. really term, right?
2: It's a, uh... I know we were just, we were talking about this on Wednesday and stuff, but um, it's just, you know, I think we kind of go through emotions. Like it's yep. it's just up and down and up and down. and And we're in such a rush to get back to life. But why? Because all we do when we're in life is complain about how I wish we had a break. So now we have a break and we want to get back to life. So
0: it's like I don't know. I'm very confused. Me We're never too. satisfied. We're yeah. never satisfied. Yeah. How I mean, are you doing, Mr. Panda?
1: Uh, I'm confused too. I um
3: <laughs> <laughs> no
1: about the COVID. I um I was to Chris's point. This has become a political issue, man. It is weird. It is weird. You know, you have sixty thousand people dying, right? And uh the numbers are going up. Well, you know, it makes sense to wear a mask and gloves and, you know, do what they say. Follow the rules. Right. <laughs> Let's live in a society. Let's follow the rules. Um, I didn't say that when I was younger. Now that I'm older, I say follow the rules. Right. But then the White House the administration, not to get political, it's like, all right, well, we got to get our country moving again. Well, yeah, we do. But is it safe to go out right now? That's the that's the question when the experts are saying it's not safe or we're still, you know, we're still going through it. So then then be like, all right, well, I'm going to disregard what my government says. I'm going to disregard the stuff that Trump laid out himself. So why
0: are the why is the government even making the rules in the first place? You know what mm-hmm. I mean? They, they don't even know what's going on. Well, <laughs> you know? not
1: the government, but the CDC who does the CDC, yeah. you know, a Fauci, you know, they do know what's going on and they do have the, the, the Intel. <clears throat> and, you know, to say we're back just cause we feel like being back is not, it's not right. Right. So, you know, I think we're going to set ourselves up for a f- fall because yeah. come the fall, eh, come the fall, I wouldn't be surprised, you know, they're saying it's going to come back again. So as bad as we want to get the country started again, we're still going through this. And so I am confused because I'm like, what should I be doing? Should I be staying home? Right. Guidelines.
2: I mean, we were in the beginning, we were like, oh, stay home, we'll stay home. And now like other states, I think they said something like 26 states are opening up. So almost half the country is opening up. And then there are workers in those states saying that they haven't even hit the peak yet right. of their numbers, yet their, their economy's opening up. And, and it's like, y- you think about this, I'm like, okay, so if, for example, if, if Texas opens back up, it's a big state, right? And they haven't even hit their peak yet. All we're doing is, it's pe- Texas is a Petri dish. And it's Right, to-
1: because those people might come to Boston, right? Or and they who might knows? Be caring, right, right. Yeah. right. Boston's not going to Detroit or wherever because we're yeah. we're going to stay at home.
2: Right. It's just I don't know. I again, you can't. You just can't because you're going to go divided. crazy. It,
1: too much division. Be- so that's weirding me out a yeah. little bit. So yesterday was a rough day for me a little bit. I was uh mm-hmm. I had a, had a hard time, but then you know if you go for it. I'll go with it and you you know I'm blessed I feel blessed I you know got a great life and so I'm going to go with that and when I go with that I'm cool if it if I start to fight it or start to think about it then I then I have problems more so than I normally do so <laughs> that's my take
0: yep well I like that that's a positive spin on it you know me I've been touting that since day one you got it no matter what you can't you can't Get let the fear rule you. You know you got to stay positive. Find a way to do it, because it will take you down, and then you'll you know domino effect. So,
1: so have you guys seen any um, news about our actual show of <laughs> mental health and addiction, which really all ties into it? But have you guys had any news out there that have been has been interesting in the world of mental health and addiction? Anything catch your eye?
2: So there's another podcast that's happening today at one. I, um, I took a screenshot of it and it's Massachusetts. It's a, it's a panel discussion, I think, or it was, it was last Friday, the 24th, I think, um, I got to look into it, but they had a panel discussion about, I think they were predicting like what we're going to see as far as Massachusetts mental health and addiction and when our guest comes on we're going to we're going to talk a little bit about what's going on with uh addiction in Massachusetts and how our numbers are spiking and we're not seeing it in our local news um no,
1: because it's off the radar now it's right. off the agenda it's off the political agenda
2: right and we've been talking about that you know how addiction is going to be taken you know the back of the bus as far as priority and um you know it, it's it's really scary. So I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I think there are people that are, you know, it's kind of like the short kid trying to get to the front of the line with a basketball team. You know, there, he's just trying to, trying to push to the front of the line to say, Hey, we're here.
1: Pick me, pick me.
2: Yeah. Pick me. Like, yeah. yeah. You know, so <laughs> I don't know. I'm scared. I'm very scared. If you, um, if you watch your Facebook too, uh, a lot of people have been putting the suicide uh awareness uh, you know reshare this post two friends share it and so on and so forth i put it right. on the map the map page a couple of days ago um to share you know about suicide because again it, it, that's something that is going to i predict going to you know it, it's yeah. gonna happen
1: oh yeah it's inevitable
0: all the, yeah all the problems yeah. at home are exacerbated like the yeah. domestic violence is going to go up child abuse is going to go up Yep. Uh, all those things. And then, which leads to, you know, higher rates of suicide. So yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. have to pay attention. Yeah. Yep.
3: L- Luckily
1: I like being at home with my wife. I actually enjoy <laughs> it. I, she said, I'm going to be home till July. Right. Oh. Cause she works at Harvard. <clears throat> and my first reaction was yay. Like Aww. seriously, I was excited. <clears throat> great. I love having her home, but God, I could imagine if you didn't like your spouse or your significant other, and you're holed up with that person oh my god
0: Do you guys so, see that that meme the meme that i sent you with the guy who said you are quarantined you have you have the choice of a being quarantined yeah it was Kanye
1: West. You... <laughs> yeah
0: oh it's looked like him yeah a being quarantined with your wife and your child or yeah. b and he goes b <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> right so it's oh know, so, so it's it's um you know, it's an interesting time. Actually, you know, our, our next guest our not our next guest. Our first guest, um, can really speak to a lot of this. She's, um, someone really on the front lines of, um, addiction and mental health. And she works in Plymouth is where, where really her stomping ground. And, um, there's so much going on down in Plymouth that I don't even know if people know, but, um, Shannon Demille is going to be our guest. She she manages a medication assisted treatment center, but she also is part of PCO Hope, which is a um, Plymouth County outreach. Was a which is a wonderful organization that um, you know we'd like to her to cover as well to kind of share what's going on. So let's bring her in. Mm-hmm. <laughs> let's bring in Shannon Demille. Yeah. We're Here gonna get you theme comes. song. We're gonna get you a theme song, Shane. Walking
3: down the street. <laughs> hey, hey!
1: What's going on, friend?
3: Hello. How are you?
1: Good. Turn your sound up a little, please. I'm the sound Nazi right now. So, sound are police. You,
2: did you put your hearing aids in today, Andy?
1: Yeah, Chris. <laughs> yeah.
2: Headphones. You what are you, yeah, you Chris. That's better. Yes.
1: Yeah. So Shannon used to co host um my show with me, Crossjack, and um, I found her a few years ago. I found you, you at the uh, at the Plymouth she County <laughs> uh, at the drug take back day down in Plymouth. Um we did it at the New Hope Chapel and uh Crossjack was there. We were broadcasting and uh we did it live, which was really quite interesting. But Shannon and I talked and I was like, All right, I like her. So so come be, be on my show, except when I interrupt you um, during. Uh, be on our show, except when I interrupt you during um, dinner time. Your husband Bill does not like it.
3: Yes, no, 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 no. He's like, Please. all right, all right, hang up, okay, Shannon, because you've done enough. I work twenty-four-seven, like most of you do. So,
1: you're the de- most dedicated person I know. So, Shannon, what's going on out there in the world of addiction? Actually, tell us who you are. Give us, give us your. Uh, your brief snapshot of who you are.
3: Wow. That's a lot to handle. All right. It's early. I still haven't had full coffee yet. So, Um, so my name is Shannon DeMille. I work as the center manager over at Clean Slate in Plymouth. Um, I've been doing addiction for about 15 years off and on. Um, Each time I have a child, I take some time off. (laughs) And then somebody calls me and I go back to what I love. And I've been doing it for a long time. Um, I also participate with uh, Plymouth County Outreach um, as a recovery coach doing outreach calls. Um, and Plymouth, I sit on the board at uh, PCO Hope, which does the drop-in centers in Plymouth County. So I keep very busy.
1: Um, so tell, we're going to get to talking about um, the, other, the other shows or the other uh, things you work on. Um, but specifically right now, a, how are you holding up during the, the COVID-19?
3: So um, it's been a rough transition. And I think it's been a rough transition for everybody, um, personal and um, you know, work life, career life. Um, it was really hard for a clinic like Clean Slate to go into all of a sudden, nobody can be in the office and we have to do everything telemed. Um, that was something that no one has ever done before. And it was a huge transition for us. We did it slowly. We slowly kind of, you know, we went from, you know, uh, an A level status. And as everything progressed in the state, we kind of moved on slowly to a status where we're now not seeing patients in the office anymore. Um, it was a lot of fluid transition. Um, it was, it was a little crazy, but, um, we need to keep serving our patients, right? We can't just stop because, you know, we have a pandemic. We need to, we need to make, changes and figure out how we can see our patients and and best, you know, care for them, especially in this moment.
1: Um, Shannon, I also, thank you. Um, I also wanted to introduce you to Kimberly because I actually don't think you met Kimberly. So. Hi
0: Shannon. Hi, how are you? (laughs) It's Uh, so good to meet you. I know we're friends on Facebook, but I haven't actually, and I know who you are, but I did not, we've never met in person. So glad to meet you.
3: Nice to meet you too. Uh,
1: um, So, there's a lot of talk about, you know, methadone and, um, and kind of how it's being administered right now. Um, and I'm going to let Chris kind of chime in on that because I know she had thoughts and she always has thoughts. Chris.
2: Hey, Shannon. Um, so, yeah, so we were talking, I was talking, I forgot who I was talking with um, the other day and like the whole take-home thing uh, with Suboxin. I've got a, a gentleman that is on sublicate and they're not doing sublicate so he's had to go back to Suboxone. Um but the methadone they were talking about like how in Boston they're sending people home with one month's methadone doses. And if somebody's on like 115 120 a day, that's a lot of methadone.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Um I y- Right now, we, we are still seeing people on, on their status and weekly and still only giving them those week scr- scripts. Um,
2: yeah.
3: yeah, we just it's just not safe. Um, people are struggling with their mental health. There's a lot of things going on right now. Right now, we need to keep the closest care with our patients. We need to make sure we are checking in on them as much as possible and making sure we have enough touches because let's be real, it is exhausting and scary and lonely right now for a lot of people.
2: So, uh, I was talking with these guys earlier and, uh, Plymouth County had 38 overdoses with 11 fatals. What's going on?
3: I don't know. I don't know. They just put out a spike release. I just had an emergency meeting yesterday. Um, I I don't know. I mean, I want to say bad batch, but what batch is really good. Um, there is no such thing as a good slash bad dash. Um, so I don't, I don't, I don't really know what's going on. Um,
1: go ahead.
2: Is it, how come we're not seeing
3: it in the news? Great question. Hmm. I, I I would love to know that as well. Um, when I saw the spike, I took it on my Facebook page and I shoved it to everybody I know because, you know, the only thing on the news right now is uh, COVID. That's the only right. thing that matters.
1: But when COVID, when the new normal happens and you have, what was it? Uh, 28 million people are out of work right now? Something like that. So you don't think the financial stress and the coping is going to hit the fan? Like when people are going to be like, you know, I mean, it's going to pick back up. Don't you think that the, um, the next wave of the epidemic is going to happen?
3: I think so. I do. I really, I really do. Um, people are struggling, everyone's struggling. And I just think that, you know, we're losing a lot of people. People are getting bored. You know, it's, we got to, we got to, get a better grip on everybody and make sure everybody knows that, you know, we're here for them, you know, doing zoom meetings. And I know it's not, it's virtual, but still, it's still connection.
1: How does CleanSight do the, like, what are some of the things that you, with CleanSight doing um, you know, the, the facility you work for, how are they doing medication assisted treatment? Like how are you engaging with your patients currently?
3: We are using um, zoom just like here, and we lay eyes on all our patients. Um, If for some reason they don't have accessibility to Wi-Fi or to that kind of technology, we have a disinfected room um, in our office that you can walk into, and we sit you down, and we have you Zoom with our providers. We need to lay eyes on you. Um, It's really important that we see what's going on. You could do a phone call, absolutely, but I don't get that I don't get to see what's going on. I don't get to see you. Um, so we're just trying to make sure that we're seeing our patients, we're calling them. If they're struggling, we're giving them that extra support.
1: And you have locations all around the country.
3: We literally. do. Yep, yep, we do. Um, some of those sites um, have been what they're called hibernated. They were not our, you know, really big sites. So we've kind of moved those people into other sites um, in the within the state that they're in.
1: Okay, now- part two. I don't know, guys, did I miss anything? Chris, Kimberly?
0: Hello. All right. Do your patients, do you see your patients from your tell like are you in your living room telehealth Are the, the counselors are doing telehealth from their living room? Or are they at the facility as well
3: with the patients? You know what I mean? Right. Right. Um, we're all at the facility. Um, so, um, you know, I have my medical receptionist staff, my medical assistant staff, myself, and my providers are at the facility. Um, we are still um, expecting patients to come in for urine screens. Um, it is a hands-free urine screen situation, so we take the cup and we. How put do it in the you do room. a
1: hands-free urine screen?
3: <laughs> oh, I know. Shoot <laughs> it out the door. There's I'm sorry. no contact. <laughs> we are safe. We are behind the glass. We put the cup in the bathroom. We let the patient go in. So it's a safe environment. You know, we're making sure that we're keeping the patients engaged, but we're also keeping them safe.
1: Got it. So you don't um, touch it,
3: but then not so much. Right. right. <laughs> they can touch whatever they want. Right.
1: <laughs> um, as part of your work, you also are involved with Susan Silva from Plymouth County Outreach, um, PCO Hope. And then you also work with the, uh, the great, Chief Michael Baldieri,
3: I do, I do, yeah. Uh,
1: tell us about that and how does that uh, work and kind of how does that coincide with your your day job? Or does it?
3: Oh, it all just kind of blends together. Um, so uh, Plymouth County Hope um, is the nonprofit. We, um, we run the drop-in centers in Plymouth and in um, East Bridgewater. Right now, obviously they are closed due to the pandemic. Um, so we're just trying to come up with some creative ways to make sure that people are still, you know, taking care of themselves. We're doing a little Facebook, uh, 60 minutes, uh, 60 seconds, I'm sorry, of hope. Um, if you want to jump onto that, you can catch some of my, um, co-workers and board members, um, kind of giving you, making sure that we take care of ourselves, little kind of 60 seconds of like, just little tidbits. Um, I also work with Plymouth County Outreach where we do overdose, um, calls. So after um, 24 hours to 48 hours after an overdose in Plymouth County, a recovery coach does uh, reach out right now. We're doing that via phone again, just to, you know, social distancing. Um, and, you know, just making sure that we can get that person in that moment. If they need help, we can get there and offer them help.
1: Chris, what say you?
3: Um, What do you, how do you see this going for,
2: forward? What do you see? How do you, do you see the spike when people are allowed to start coming out and, you know, we're gonna see the spike in alcoholism, obviously, uh, because they've already talked about it. The increase is at like 250% sales in alcohol since, you know, um, this is this whole thing has started. Um, but as far as like the whole uh, drugs, in mental health, how do you see uh, MAT having a line out the door? Because medication-assisted treatment, yeah. Do you because people can't get into treatment now? You're going to have insurance loss, job loss, no income. Yep. You know, so I know you guys take Mass Health and Medicaid. Do you see that increase? Do you see you guys like blowing out the doors, having to open up more centers?
3: Have you forecasted that? I yeah. do. Uh, yeah, we're seeing, you know, right now everyone's still a little scared to leave their house. You know, everyone's, you know, really still trying to isolate. But when they open the state back up and we're allowed to go back out, I think it's going to kind of be a free for all. I think we're going to have a lot of relapse. I think we're going to, you know, and right now what's on the street, obviously with the eleven fatalities in Plymouth County, it's it's not it's not good. It's not something that our beds are going to be full. I think think we're going to we're going to be booming pretty soon, and it's really sad.
1: Plymouth. Plymouth County, you know, we talked about Plymouth County Outreach, uh, or PC, uh, Plymouth County Outreach. Tell us about kind of the work you do. You kind of touched on it, but all the partners that are involved with PCO.
3: Oh, I've never had a better community in my life. It's amazing. Um, Everybody, you need anything, and you reach out to these amazing people who have dedicated their lives to addiction, and you can get anything that you need. Um, anywhere in the state, um, the, the, we work with all of the law enforcement in Plymouth County, along with just about every agency, anything we need, you can put a, you know, a call out. It's the best group of people I've ever worked with.
1: And they're not going to lock you up, right? If you are suffering, they, they really, you know, this is kind of the new, um, the new direction in police work, I guess.
3: Absolutely. right. Right.
1: not locking people up, right? It's
3: helping people. Yeah, it's helping people and getting them into treatment. And I mean, if you got a warrant and you did something, you know, prior, it is what it is. But, you know, we're not out there to to make sure that you get locked up and get put in jail. We're out there to make sure that we can help you and your family. We don't find the person that may have overdosed every single time, but we might find the family that's struggling and we're we'll offered, you know, we can give them some resources to help them as well.
1: So it'd be a police officer and then you. Or somebody that you work with will go if somebody's struggling and needs help you'll go is that
3: how in, it works? In, in prior world yes new normal no we're, we're making phone calls now um but yes it would be a plain cl- plain closed police officer um and and someone like myself um and again we're not coming in smashing down doors you know it's it we're coming in in you know to try to help we're coming with some sort of mission of helping that person that might be struggling okay Jan another
0: question how did you how did you originally get into this field what made you want to be into this addiction and mental health field
3: so when I was 19 I applied for a job at this place called High point that I had never heard of before um, and I decided that I was going to do medical billing um, and they they hired me and I started learning a lot. And I said, no, I want to help these people. I don't want to sit behind this desk and move this paper anymore. Like I learned so much from the back end that I wanted to come up with the front end. And then the more I looked into my own family, um, you know, whether it be aunts, uncles, you know, it, it, I said, oh my goodness, that's exactly what's going on in my family. I want to help my family looking at my friend. And then I started, you know, going out, looking at my friends and going, oh no, well, I want to help this person um, and I know what to do. I know how to help because I, you know, I work at this place called High Point um, and it just kind of went from there. Um, and I just, I, I found my love of helping people and, you know, trying to get out there and learn as much as I possibly can learn, you know, and just be very empathetic.
1: You, you've had a lot of, um, since I've known you and you, Chris, Kimberly, um, you, you know, you've had a lot, I've had an experience with it. Not an overdose, but um, somebody (laughs) just walked by. Um, um, That's okay. He's photobombing us right now. (gasps) Is that Devlin?
3: That is Devlin, yes. Okay. (laughs) Um,
1: um, My question is, you guys have all experienced loss, right? People you've gotten close to. How do you all maintain that boundary of not taking on the downside of those who don't recover, you know, how do do you maintain that distance or do you maintain that distance? I'll throw that out to all y'all. So
2: I'll go first. So, uh, as you guys know, and Shannon, um, I've been obviously I help families. I work with the families a lot. So I tend to get close to the families as well as their loved ones. Um, and I just lost somebody on Sunday. And it was one of my original moms when I first started this journey. And so those bonds and those relationships, um, I vowed to myself, because like in 2015 is probably when it was, it was just people were just dropping like flies, but they were, they were in this outer circle. They weren't in my little core group of, of my moms. We were in that safe zone. So we weren't really affected by it. We were affected, but we weren't. And then slowly over the years, these moms, this circle of people that were fighting for recovery, has gotten so smaller and smaller and smaller. And now it's like this really small group. So, you know, in the last uh, year, I've lost four kids um, to some of these moms, and now we're that we're that small circle, and the kids that have have families that have lost is that big circle. Um, and I vowed to myself that I would never uh, grow numb to it because these kids, my kids that are in recovery, they've lost more kids in their life. My oldest is 31, my next one is 27. They've lost more friends in those short years of their lives than I've lost in a lifetime. So I vowed, and they've kind of, I don't, I don't wanna say it, it's like normal, but they've become desensitized to it and it's become their normal you know i mean i'm not saying that they're they're cold and uncompassionate it's just they have that off button and you know i don't know i mean i just i mourn uh, I, everybody mourns differently i mourn for the families i mourn for you know the siblings that are left behind and then i worry about if there's another sibling that is in recovery, how is this going to affect? And then the friends. So it's a process, Andy, it's hard.
1: Shannon. uh, Yeah. And we'll get, I want to, well, Kimberly. Yes.
3: No, I I agree a hundred percent. I mean, do we try to, you know, not get so upset, you know, absolutely. We try not to get upset, but, I I tell you, every person that I lose, it hits me just the same. It really does. What, you know, I lost somebody on Wednesday. um, And it's, you know, it's hard every single time. Um, I try to just make sure um, he was 26.
1: There you go. Right.
3: Um, You know, it was, it was, it's just so sad. Just so sad. Every time it's sad, it doesn't matter anymore. Um, You try not to get attached, you know, to, to your patients or to, but you, but you just can't, it's just, you, you just.
1: It's hard to do. I, like I said, I haven't lost anyone. Um, my cousin Todd, who I, you, we spoke to, he lost his girlfriend.
3: We did.
1: To, yeah. To a, um, fentanyl overdose, but he really, um, and he was bankrolling her for a long time, but he ended up, um, kind of detaching so it made it more palatable for him. My own experience: um, we know the person; you know the person. Um, very vested in helping from a business standpoint, really trying to help that person. And guy let me down. Yeah. You know, both from a not a from a from a business perspective, he let me down, and personally too. So I had to like, for me, had to cut ties from the business because that puts food on my family's table right so that's first and foremost so I'm gonna I'm gonna back away at that point you know your problems I'm not going to sacrifice my family for your problems right that's for for this particular person because he wasn't he was playing games I think he's playing games so I walked away completely. As a matter of fact, um, one of the projects I was doing, I was just like, you know what? I'll pay for it out of my own pocket. I went to someone else. I just pay paying for it because I don't want to deal. Right. That's how I, I respond. I'm compassionate, but don't, but I don't do victim.
3: You also have to always protect yourself. Right. You really do. You have to protect yourself. There's only so much you can do there's only so far you can push yourself before, you know, you're working harder than that individual. And then you stop and think I'm working harder. They need they need to put their their part into, you know,
1: it, it, um, Kimberly, you're not in yeah. your head. What do you process?
0: You know, yeah, it crosses the line over into enabling, you know, if you're if you're too invested in your too, I mean, it happens all the time in the sober home. We, you know, I don't necessarily lose them to death, but you lose them back into they go out there. And you know you've spent all this time, try, you know, trying to help them and guide them and give them as much information as you can. And it's just so disheartening when, when they they're just not ready or they, they can't do it or for whatever reason they're just not able to to grasp what they need to do to recover. And it's absolutely gut wrenching, heartbreaking. It's, uh, but you, you can't. But to Andy's point, yeah, you can't get too attached because then you do, you know what I mean? You've got the other ones to worry about too. So.
1: Do you feel like you failed Do do throwing it out there to you guys? I, you feel used like a to. Yeah. I used
0: to feel, yeah, I used to feel like, Oh my like, God, what did I do wrong? But you can't do that. You can't, you absolutely have to find a way to know that it's not about, about you, you
1: know? So I'm going to throw out another question. I feel, I like this. I'm throwing out questions. I don't know. It's just like, I, you have people who work in the field on the front lines in different facets. So I felt like, um, you know, I'm a moderator, right? Um, Because I'm not an addiction. I'm a media guy, right? And I see media as the way to uh, really help bring awareness and shed light on this and really hammer it home on a a frequent basis. So for those out there who continue to want to um, hear about it and have needs or struggling, then, you know, hopefully our show can help. But my question is, Um, what do you guys think about early intervention? How early is too early to educate kids? Go ahead, Chris.
2: I personally, we've had this conversation before. I think in middle school is the time that you open that conversation and you open those, those lines of communication with kids to understand, because if you don't think your kids experimenting in fifth grade, um, you know, you got, you got blinders on, um, the more stories i hear of of kids that you know started dabbling uh is around fifth grade that's when the huge um change happens for kids where they're they either fit in or they don't fit in so you know they're going to those parties i guess you could say that you know where there's older kids and they want to fit in and and before they know it they're They're already in over their heads. So I think it's really important. And I don't think it's just with kids I think it really needs to start with families like I think they need to we need to really encourage and um, Involve families at that level of how to talk to your kids how to know the symptoms or signs, you know, because if if somebody called if my if the principal of, of my my granddaughter for example at fifth grade called me today and I had no whatever recollection I had didn't didn't have my past and said you know uh, your granddaughter was at a party and in fifth grade and she drank and then she slept over I'd be like no she didn't or I would be like oh okay I'll talk to her you know don't do that and that would be the end of it right. But we know now that that's not the end of it. That's only just the the very beginning of it. So I think that families really need to be educated and encouraged to learn how to uh, speak with their children and open that line of communication and have means of support for everybody involved. Shannon. Oh,
3: I agree 100% Chris, absolutely. I I think we should start speaking at as as young as we can and it doesn't have to be hey second grader don't shoot heroin it's more like like Sesame <laughs> Street which we remember we've
1: talked about that before Sesame Street and it was right. like everybody had differing opinions
3: on it so it's not you know talking like that it's talking more like let's make healthy decisions and put healthy things in our bodies and you know we have to treat our bodies where we don't put chemicals in them you know d- we have conversations more like that. We start that at a really young age and we just keep making sure that we are open and honest with our kids. I mean, right now I have in my child, my children are 18, 12 and five. So you don't
1: have an 18 year old, do you?
3: Yeah. Yep. Yep. I would tell you, I would tell him to come say hi, but he sleeps till about 2 p.m.
1: Of course, he's 18. Where's Evelyn's floating around now? He's wandering around the house.
3: Yes, my my five-year-old is somewhere. My 12-year-old is somewhere. But, you know, we have these conversations about healthy decisions and not putting, you know, stuff in your body and what exactly stuff is age appropriately. My 18-year-old, I can have a more candid conversation with and be more, you know, don't use heroin. My 12-year-old is more like, don't don't take anything from strangers. And my five-year-old is like, let's make healthy decisions.
1: In a, in a case of peer pressure, though, one of the things that you've actually thrown out is some suggestions for a kid who's in a difficult situation. What was the advice that you gave?
3: So recently, too, I, I did a presentation at New Bedford High School um, in February, and um, I gave some of these out, and the, the kids came up to me later, and they were like, thank you so much. That was a great idea. Um, so, you know, just with these kids in high school and teenagers, peer pressure is awful. They come, you know, Hey, you want this? Just trying to offer kids other suggestions than just no. Cause no, sometimes comes with, Oh, come on. It comes with more kind of just want to end it. So maybe saying something like, listen, when I get home, my mom tests me, she P tests me. And if I come up dirty, I, I can't go anywhere. Um, or my work does it. I can't lose my job. That's how I pay for my car. Um, you know, just simple stuff like that, other than just, no, um, just to kind of like end the conversation. I can't do it. Bottom line, you know, throw I have the to get home
1: for dinner. House. My right. mom says, my mom says I have to get home for dinner. That's one <laughs> exactly. of your favorites. right?
3: I love that. You know, yeah. or, you know, or have that safe word with your child, you know, right. so if they text, if you text, if I get, you know, the word, a, a word from somebody, I know. That this means that I need to go, you know, call the person and get them. Recently, I was talking to a friend of mine and her word was cheeseburger with her son. So, and he's now 22. So, you know, they never really had to use it. Well, a couple of weeks ago, she got a text from her son at 1am that said, mom, I need a cheeseburger. And her response was get in your car and go get it yourself. Right. She realized, oh, that's (laughs)
1: that's, that's
3: the word. I have to do something. Right. So she got, you know, she said, well, where can I get you this cheeseburger? And, you know, she ended up, he was- in That a, was the code word. That was the code word. He was in a situation where he needed a ride and she went and got him.
1: Um, we Kimberly? used to
3: have, we used, oh, sorry.
1: That's no, right, Kimberly?
0: No,
3: I was just, I, that's a great
0: story. I love the code word. That's it's something simple that they can do with, with their child that lets them know without shaming them, without making them feel bad. Love that.
1: From your standpoint with um, people- um, do you have any um, with uh, people at Brady's Landing or the people that you've had, do you ever have any kind of, um, you know, kind of connection where if they're, in, you know, they need help or anything like that? Do you have any kind of, um, you know, kind of connection they, with them?
0: Oh, they all know that I still get taxed. They all know if they get into trouble. Well, I'm, I'll help them out. I'll go get them wherever they are. Um, you know, it's kind of out there though, because I'm in recovery too, they don't feel as odd, like as, as, if they would a parent, you know, they feel a little bit more that it's relatable that they can say, Hey, you know what? Oops, I took a drink. Um, but I want to come back. What's the, what's the deal. And then, um, then we'll kind of go from there. So it's, we don't really need a code word because, you know, right. kinda, we all know what's going on. But right. yeah, yeah. But definitely, definitely.
1: Chris.
2: I I was thinking about that whole code word thing and, you know, we used to always use those code words. Uh, and I don't know, that's, that's a good reminder because the code word, you know, with stranger danger, it was, you know, we had that kind of, I don't know. That's a good idea. Like maybe that should be the next campaign is like, you know, it's easy, it's simple, it's a code word and it gets the conversation started,
3: you know, I just feel that if I get this code word from my son, it means I'm gonna call him and say, hey, there's been an emergency, I gotta come get you, where are you? You know, your sister's in the emergency room or whatever. Take, take that pressure off him, make him feel comfortable that he can do that and I'm gonna do all the work. He doesn't have to make up a story, he doesn't have to make up a lie, he just needs to send me a simple word and I will call him and go get him and get him out of whatever situation he might be in. I don't care where he is, what he's doing, I just wanna make sure that he gets home safe. So if he's in, he finds himself in a situation like we all have, where we don't feel safe and we're not sure what to do, he sends me this word. I will call him. I will text him, whatever. If anyone sees his phone, it's not going to look like he's calling mommy for help. Right. It's just going to look like he just texted a, a random word.
1: Shannon, I guess I have two questions unrelated. For Plymouth County, right, I don't know. I mean, we kind of touched on it, but Plymouth County is one of the biggest hot spots in the country for opioid addiction. Is that correct?
3: That we're, we're right up there. We're right up there with all those other places in, in Pennsylvania. Yep.
1: Why do you think that is?
3: Ooh, I really, I really don't know. I wish I could answer that question. Oh, I'm sorry. We, we hi, Devlin. A, say hi. 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 <laughs>
1: um, uh, alcohol.
3: I think, I think.
2: I think Plymouth is probably one of the hot spots because of how it is on either side of the bridge. Maybe you know you're you're not just like like me. Here's Foxborough. You're here's Plymouth, and it's one side of the bridge and the other side of the bridge. And you're really, really the, the county itself is very spread out. You know, like Ohio is a hot spot too, and but it has it has its little areas in Ohio that are, uh, was it Akron, Akron, Ohio?
1: Well, right Columbia. Now? Yeah. Franklin County, Ohio is like the biggest hotspot in the country Yeah, or one of them. Um, they actually had to have, um, rent out uh, refrigerator trucks for, for the morgue because they were having so many people. Um, Mike, wow, I'm so morbid. I know, but it's the truth. I mean, the numbers, obviously the numbers are huge. Shannon, what are the numbers out there um, currently as far as people? Um, and you guys can all answer. What, what are the current numbers of um, overdoses right now?
3: I don't know. I would have to look that up, Andy. I do not know the numbers right now. Um, I do know that from our last presentation in late March, we were trending down from last year. So, um, so that's good. Um, I think we're getting out there more and people are getting more help. Um, we're also getting less fatalities, not in this week. I can't speak for this week. It was a rough week for all, but, you know, generally speaking, trending, we were trending down.
2: Hey, Shannon, Shannon, I got a question for you. How do you, uh, how do you, what is your response when, and I love this, I love to banter with people when they say, you know, um, medicated assisted treatment is, you know, it's not, it's not recovery they're not sober. What, what do you, what do you
3: say to that? Oh, I don't take that date usually because it just gets me into these, like Facebook troubles. And yes, um, you know, I, I say, if you have high blood pressure, you take medicine. If you have, you know, any, you have a, you know, mental health and you have ADD, it's a brain chemistry. You take medicine. You know, if you have whatever you have, you take medicine for it. I, I, I don't see that it's trading if it's done properly. Now there are people out there that are prescribing, you know, months and months and months, and it's not done properly. There's no follow up. It's just here's your prescription. See you later. Um, is that you know proper care? No, I don't think so, personally. Um, if if Suboxin and MAT and everything is is done properly with with you know counseling and it's you know people are progressing in their recovery and we're seeing markers of recovery like. Obtaining a job, getting your children back—who are we to say that it's wrong? Okay, now say that.
2: Okay, now the next step. So I have somebody who, um, hypothetically, I have somebody that I'm going to send down a clean slate, and uh, they used last night, but they want to stop using. They don't need detox. They don't want to go to detox.
3: What does it look like when somebody walks through the door? What is the process when somebody right. walks that through the door? that was my
1: question. Yep.
3: yep. So when somebody walks through our door, um, you know, hopefully if they come into the office, I do everything in my power to see them if they don't have a scheduled appointment. My theory is we're going to strike while the iron's hot. If you took the chance to walk through this door and you, you know, you took all that energy and you said, I'm going to do something today and you walked through that door, we are going to do everything we can do to see you. Because that means that you decided you wanted to make a change that day. And maybe in five minutes or two hours or the next day, you might have changed your mind. So we're going to try to see you. Um, We're going to try to get you in with a provider. One of my uh, nurse practitioners or um, physician's assistants will see you. They'll get some history on you. We'll get a urine screen. We do blood work to try to, you know, we make sure, you know, anything from hep C to HIV, we want to make sure that your liver is okay. These drugs and medications really can take a toll on your liver. So we want to make sure your liver levels are good. Um, and then we're going to start prescribing. Um, if you've taken it before, then, you know, we might just kind of give you a little tutorial on how to take the medication. There is a proper way to take it and a non-proper way to take it. And, um, we just ask that, you know, 24 hours, you, you know, don't use for 24 hours and then you can start the suboxone. Um, detox is not necessary. Um, we do say 24 hours cause you can go into precipitated withdrawal. Suboxone does have the naloxone component in it, which is Narcan. And if you do, you know, you will send yourself into withdrawals.
1: Can you help people get in the treatment as well? You, you will try to help somebody get a bed.
3: Absolutely. If somebody walked in and, and, and I don't feel, or my providers don't feel like MAT is good for them. Maybe they need a higher level of care. Maybe they need detox. Maybe they need that three to five days, you know, kind of out of environment. We will make sure I have a, enough connections in the community that I'll reach out to my community partners and I'll make sure I can obtain that person a bed and make sure they're in a safe place.
1: Kimberly, Kimberly you're nodding.
0: No, that, that's great. No, I, My only question was what your population, what would you say your the demographics are? Here.
3: I would say mostly mid-20s to mid-30s, um, but we do have a lot of older um, population, an older um, alcoholic population, an older population using a lot of pills, um, and we do have a, a, a lot of younger, recently it's been a lot of younger, so we don't treat any younger than 18, but um, we are seeing that 19-20 range.
1: That's crazy now how do you all so I know you you work 24 7 Chris works 24 7 you all work 24 7 Kimberly um how do you guys what do you do to decompress and like kind of relax a little bit or do you you know how do how do you cope with because it's a heavy topic right this is a heavy subject how do you all um cope with it
0: Kimberly. It's hard not to get stressed. It's, it's, you really have to um, center yourself. You have to remind yourself that you're doing a good thing because you, let's face it, you lose more than you, than, than make it. it's why I think the statistics one out of six and that's after 30 days of treatment. So, you know, you look around the room, you're in a group situation and you go one, one of them is going to make it. So you, you have to remind yourself that, that, you know, focus on that one too. You know what I mean. Make sure that they get everything that they need. You can't. You do. You have to do things like meditation. You have to do yoga. I know it sounds cliche, but you really need to take care of yourself. A lot of um, self care, a lot of introspection, and a lot of um, connecting with other people in the industry. That helps me too when I can reach out and say, "Oh my god, I'm so frustrated." This, 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 and people understand. That's you know that helps tremendously
1: mr mill
3: i mean i can't agree more self-care shopping um
1: yeah what'd you buy you <laughs> bought boots you wanted boots right didn't you want boots the last time i saw you
3: i always want shoes you know my theory is i've never looked fat in a pair of shoes so i mean i <laughs> i love that it's the... i love that <laughs> So I agree with Kimberly, you know, a lot. I use a lot of people in the industry. I have a great, great, great support team where you can call and just kind of vent to anybody. Um, You know, taking care of yourself, spending time with your family, remembering every now and then it's okay to shut off. It's okay to put that phone down and really just kind of dive into a movie with your kids or game night or your son climbing in the fridge. Definitely get out of the fridge, please. Thank you. Um, You know... (laughs) It's, um, it's, this is the stuff we have to do and we have to laugh and we have to have fun. Um, recently I did a quarantine picnic with some of my friends where we all sat in the back of our cars and we just laughed for like two hours. You know, we stayed away from each other and we, but we, we had a really good time and I can't wait to do it again. You got to make sure that you have that human connection and you keep your, your tribe close to you.
1: Yes.
2: Um, I don't know. I mean, I kind of tend to, when I need to really, uh, you know, decompress, I tend to isolate um, and kind of like, you know, go for that walk or dive into a movie, a mindless movie, um, you know, or I don't know, or just get busy, Uh, you know, I I don't know. Like this whole COVID thing has just really mentally messed me up. Um, I've never before been unable to deal with my anxiety for whatever reason. Um, so like learning how to recenter has really been, you know, a challenge. Um, doing this, like, you know, with the map, the work with the map is is really good distraction. It's still working in the field, but it's a good distraction. Um, but yeah, I mean, I miss all my, my colleagues too. You know, I miss hanging out and grabbing a lunch and seeing the pictures of their children. Cause I'm a grandmother, so I'm old and frumpy. So it's nice to see them and all their babies and kids and like been there, done that stories.
1: Shannon, what do you say about to moms out there? Well, two questions, mental health. How many, you know, we always talk about treating the root of the addiction, which is mental health, right? Like, in 19, I mean, you have the the physical aspect of it, but I mean, do you spend time talking about mental health as well?
3: Oh, absolutely. I mean, you have to. I mean, I, I agree with Chris. This COVID thing has really kind of messed with my mental health too. Um, my anxiety has been out of control as well. And, you know, I think we just really need to, to focus on everybody and, and know that we're all going to get through this together. Yeah. Um, the mental health and the mom part of it, is is insane right now? I am also a home. I, I am a teacher now.
1: You're apparently. like, by the way, you're like mental. Somebody we know said mental health. It's insane.
3: It is. <laughs>
1: <Remember>? I, mean, <laughs> I mean,
3: just trying to balance everything like as a mom through this is yeah. crazy. I'm homeschooling three children and working 40 hours a week going into the office. My husband yeah. is also um, a delivery driver, so he's not home either.
1: He's machine. What's your hope for the future? Last question. What's your, what's everybody, you know, curious to see what, what you're hoping for going forward?
3: I just hope that we can see a decline. We all work so hard and I just hope one day we can see a decline. We're never going to see everything kind of go away. I just, I'm not asking for a lot, just a decline and more treatment available, availability for people. You know, we're struggling every day to try to help people and longer treatment. It, people don't need three to five days. We need longer treatment for people.
1: Um, where can people get in touch with you?
3: Um, they can reach me at, you can walk into the Clean Slate Center. I'm at 46 Obery Street in Plymouth. Um, they can go onto cleanslatecenters.com um, and reach me there too. Um, and, or you can reach me via uh, social media as okay.
1: well. Will you come back on again?
3: Of course I will. This was a blast.
1: Okay, cool. And um, Kimberly, Chris, we got to boost up our Facebook page. We need yes. people. Pe- people like us. Right? <laughs> like us. We're doing good work. Like us. Like help it. us. Thanks.
0: Shannon, thank you so much for coming on. It was oh, wonderful to meet you me. and hear you. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Anytime.
2: Anytime. I want to I come to the next picnic, please. <laughs> I will. <laughs> I really yeah. You. Look
0: for your you get t-shirts made we'll invite everybody. Yeah. yeah. Yay. That sounds right. like a great idea. We're going to do that. Should do I what think, so much fun. I think
2: the PLA is going to do a zoom meeting.
0: So that'll be fun. Oh I my use
1: goodness. co-words that keep me out. What? What is a PLA?
0: <laughs> the professional liaisons association for
3: For For, for people people, like us. (laughs) People like us. People in the industry. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) The fancy name for our friends. Yeah. Yes.
1: Gotcha. All right. Kimberly, is that it for us this week?
3: I think that is our show. What what is it?
1: Go ahead. I'm sorry. uh, Our Facebook page.
0: Facebook page. We are at the map. Twenty. Twenty. No, not Facebook. It's just the map.
3: The The map. map. No, it's actually actually just
0: map. map. (laughs) (laughs) Map. We don't even have the the. Sorry about that. Okay, so... That's what we got, and uh, that's our show. We'll see you next Wednesday. Right? Thank
1: you. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, Shannon. Have a good, have a good week. All right, we'll see you. Bye-bye, Bye, everybody. Bye.
0: Bye.